Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. The first four of the Beatitudes deal with something that comes from inside a person from principles upon which a person bases his life. When he talked about those who were poor in spirit, those that mourn, those that are meek, and those this morning that we talked about that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And now then, he begins in the next four Beatitudes talking about those those qualities that come from within within a person and are exemplified or exhibited as we deal with others. And here is the first one. Blessed are those that are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The bliss of the merciful. The word mercy is an interesting word. It's somewhat difficult to translate, but let me try. It's based upon the New Testament principle that Jesus gave us in forgiving and being forgiven. When the disciples asked the Lord to teach them to pray, and we have that model prayer in the sixth chapter of Matthew, he told them to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In James 2.13, James says, for judgment is without mercy to one who shows no mercy. Judgment is without mercy to those who show no mercy. Apply that to the uh, model prayer when the Lord prayed that as we ask God to forgive us, in proportion to our willingness to forgive, we have certainly the word mercy. If you take the Greek for that word and try to comprehend it, it carries the idea of the ability of a person to really get inside, if you will, the skin of somebody else so that he sees and understands life through the eyes and through the experience of the other person. As the Indians had the little phrase about walking in the moccasins of somebody else. The one will not, how is it criticized, until he's walked in the moccasins of the other person. If we would really live by this principle, that we would say nothing, never criticize, never uh, make any kind of derogatory comment about how another person lives until we have in fact been in his condition, in his shoes, 
if you will, inside his skin and see through his eyes. Which means that we've got to fully and completely understand what is the factors affecting the person that we're talking about. If we feel as he feels, if we have gone through that which he has gone through with, then we can be merciful. A preacher friend of mine lost his wife in death. And he had this to say to me. He said, I had preached many funerals and I had tried to comfort many people, but he said, I didn't have the slightest idea of what I was talking about until I had gone through it. We say we understand. We say we sympathize. We try to be merciful when we have not the slightest idea of what we're talking about. Now the Romans did not look at mercy as something that was good. As a matter of fact, the Romans thought that a person who was merciful uh, was the lowest of humanity. They called mercy the disease of the soul. And there's some of us who practice that disease of the soul in which we look at somebody who exerts mercy as being a weakling, a sign of weakness. The Romans gave by law to every father what was called patria opatistus, which meant the right of life and death over his child. What would happen is that the person who assisted in the delivery of his child would bring the baby out to him for inspection. He would examine the child and if he found a defect in it, if it was not strong, if it were deformed, if it were blind, if it had any defects, he could, by his own right, order the child destroyed. That was his right to do so. We think how horrible this was for a father to be able to, to condemn his newborn child to death because it was not perfect. They did not comprehend or understand that term that we call mercy. That people have a right to life in spite of their deformities. At times I go through the Colin Anderson Hospital in St. Mary's that takes care of the deformed children and those who never grow out of being children of our society. And I shall never forget some of my experiences and the most recent was seeing a man who was less than three feet tall who sat on the floor and played with blocks but yet had to shave. For his body and his mind had not grown. An old man who had no more purpose in living than to share in things of children. Or the babies who would lay in the crib, whose head grew, 
but whose body did not. The first time I had that experience, I thought it would tear my very heart out. And I talked to the people who cared for those people and asked them how they stood it. And we had some, some discussion about it. There is mercy built into God's will that gives even those the right to life. And it disturbs me in our present day society that we see abortion treated so flippantly. I'm reading a book now about the early history of our country and it tells the real side of the discovery of America through Columbus and the Pilgrims and, and the Plymouth Landing and some of our forefathers and those things are going on. Things that I had never heard about and were not taught in school. But one of the things that I remember is that oftentimes on those forced marches when the Indians took our forefathers captive and a child was born on the march, that it was common that they would take the child by the heels and smash its head against a tree. And we shudder at the horrendous acts of the Indian. But folks, we haven't even begun to talk about horrendous acts until we discuss in detail the horrid things that take place in our society to those who are yet unborn. There is no mercy in our society. We glory in brutality. You look at television and compare the stories that we see, the Rambos and all of the others that's paralleled, and we're talking about building up a society of children who believe in horrendous acts of killing by the hundreds and thousands before a child reaches school age, he has seen murders untold. And then we wonder why we have a society that thinks life is so cheap. There is no mercy in our society for we are brutal in our outlook. But Jesus talked about a society that was merciful. And he exemplified it in his life. Yes, we may have lack of concern for the cripple in our life, for the blind, for the deaf. But Jesus treated each of these with dignity and love. And when they came to him, he healed the cripple. He brought sight back to the blind hearing to the deaf. But yes, he even raised the dead because there was mercy in his soul for those who were less fortunate. He did not condemn the prostitutes. He forgave them their sins. He did not ridicule the tax collector. As a matter of fact, he made at least one of them a disciple. He did not deride the drunkard, but yet he restored them to sanity. He did not condemn to hell those who were adulterers and adulteresses. 
he dealt with them as he did the woman of the well and upon request forgave them their sins and what did he get for his mercy he got the cross for people in Jesus day were like people in our day who do not want to see mercy given out because of his mercy they drove him to the cross and there nailed him to it but Jesus said in this beatitude that blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy what was he saying he was not teaching that if we are merciful that men will be merciful to us he was teaching that if we are merciful God will be merciful to us do not expect if you're merciful that human beings around the world will show you mercy no more than Jesus found it but we can expect that if we live a life of mercy we will find mercy from God mercy is not pity mercy is not saying to the person who is in difficulties God bless you and oft times we're guilty of that and I feel so inadequate many times as I stand in a hospital room or at a graveside and the only thing that I seem to be able to do is simply say God bless you this is not necessarily mercy mercy is not concern mercy is meeting the needs of people and this is what Jesus did mercy is providing food for those who are hungry mercy is providing comfort to those who are bereaved love to those that are rejected providing forgiveness to those who have been offended to providing companionship to those who are lonely that's mercy and that's what I'm saying we as a church must be we're going to grow not because we come here to worship but because we take what we learn here we take the spirit of God that is present here and we go out into the highways and the byways into the streets into our homes and we demonstrate our faith in Jesus Christ by providing for the needs of those who are there the comfort and the love and the forgiveness and the companionship that they need mercy is giving compassion mercy is giving help giving time giving forgiveness giving money yes at times but most important mercy is giving ourself to somebody who needs us at a given time and I believe earnestly that if we are in the will of God the Holy Spirit will say to you and to me go to so and so for they need you now and you and I will go we will go and we'll put that loving arm around that friend or neighbor or family member who is distressed and we'll give them something they need maybe
maybe all they need is love but maybe they need a helping hand now mercy is not something that is natural you didn't grow up with it you've got to learn it it's got to come from its source which is God how many times have we cried Lord have mercy on me I shall never forget hearing the story of a man who fell from one of those high towers at a power plant when it was being constructed, one of the tall ones. And he says he fell off that tower before he hit the ground. The words were shouted from the top of his voice, God have mercy on my soul. That man was saved before he hit the ground. And from the ground, he went to heaven. Because God instantaneously will give mercy when it's asked for. I was in Parkersburg the day that the announcement came that 52 men had died on the building of one of those towers, St. Mary's. I've gone by that power plant time and time again. I knew a number of those people. A very close friend of mine had just walked off the platform moments before it fell. Many, many people that day prayed for God to have mercy on the families of those 52 men. But we've got to do more than pray that God have mercy. We've got to be the mercy that God provides. And we will be that mercy because we will remember that we received mercy for our soul. And how many times have we sung that hymn, Mercy there was great, and grace there was free pardon there was multiplied to me there my burdened soul found liberty where at Calvary in Matthew chapter 25 beginning at verse 35 and following Jesus taught his disciples some very important things and they couldn't understand what he was saying. He said, I was hungry. And you gave me meat. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you took me naked. And you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous say unto him, Lord, when saw we thee hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? Or naked and clothed thee or sick or in prison and came unto thee? The king shall answer and say, Inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, 
you did it unto me. Mercy is providing in the name of Jesus Christ the needs of those with whom we fellowship and to whom we minister. St. Augustine made this statement. Let me quote it to you. He said, If I weep for the body from which the soul is departed, should I not weep for the soul from which God is departed? Yes, we weep for the soul that has departed from the body But we ought to weep for the soul from whom God has departed. That's mercy. But what did he say in conclusion? Those who show mercy shall obtain mercy. The one who is merciful qualifies to receive mercy. And as James said, as we have already quoted from 2.13, for judgment will be merciless to the one who shows no mercy. Do you want God to be merciful to you? Do I want him to be merciful to me? You bet I do. But listen, there's a qualification for getting it. A qualification. You've got to show it. Jesus gave us a story of a slave who came to his master who owed his master a huge sum of money. And the slave fell down before the master you find this in the 18th chapter of Matthew. And he pleaded for the master to forgive him and give him time. He said, give me time, Lord. Give me time and I'll pay it. The master was wise enough to know that the slave would never have enough time to pay that debt. He was merciful and forgave his slave. Made no requirement that the debt be paid and allow him to go. What a merciful act. I don't know if any of you have ever had a situation in which you have gotten yourself to the point that there was no way you could ever satisfy the debt you built up. And someone said to you, it's okay, you don't have to pay it. My dad has done that to me so many times. And I try to pay him back and he said, it's okay son. You don't know it. It's been forgiven. Not just money, but obligation. I hope you've gone through that because it's quite a growing experience. That somebody forgives you. It just makes you realize that God does the same. This servant found a fellow servant who owed him just a few cents. 
took that servant by the neck, the scripture says, and demanded payment. And this servant fell down before his fellow servant and begged the same thing. He said, give me time and I will repay you all. But the belligerent servant would not listen and he took the man and threw him into jail and said, you'll stay there till you pay me every penny you owe. The master heard the story and he called back his servant. He said, did not I forgive you your outstanding debt, an amount that you could never pay? Could you not have showed mercy to your fellow man who owed you such a penance? Folk, that's us and God and that's us and each other. The Lord God above loved us enough to forgive us of a great burden of debt that we could never possibly pay. He had mercy upon us beyond our wildest imagination in paying himself through the blood of his own son for the debt that we had obligated ourselves to. And when we fell down before that cross and said, Lord, forgive me of my debt, Somehow I'll try to pay it. He came forth and said, it's already paid. The debt has been wiped out. You owe nothing. He's teaching us that we must likewise go to our fellow man and with the same compassion, with the same mercy, say to each other, it's okay. You're forgiven. You have no obligation. He who shows mercy will receive mercy, not from man, but from God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I want that mercy. I can't live without it. If I don't have God's mercy, I have nothing. But I know I have it because he promised it to me. And there was the day that I fell down at his feet and begged for forgiveness. And he wiped out my every debt. The only thing that I can do is live before my fellow man with the same mercy showed to me. I will show in return. And that qualifies me for the continuation of God's mercy. Do you want it? Then you've got to give it. You've got to give it. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.